Thank you for tuning in for another episode of Permission Granted Podcast. I am your host, Kimberly Morrell, and we're going to do part two with Miss um, Vanessa Gilcrease. And we're going to continue talking about um, my journey from wife to widow, which is her amazing book that you guys can purchase on Amazon. And the conversation was pretty rich. We had some technical difficulties, but um, we wanted to come back and continue the conversation. So, hey, Vanessa. Hi, Kim. How you doing? I'm doing well. And we are going to dive into this this subject because there are some things you said in the first episode that I think deserves a little more attention. Okay. One of the things you mentioned was um, the church doesn't always know or doesn't know, is not clear on how to handle a individual when they become, let's say, a widow or a widower. Mm-hmm. Tell me what you mean by that in a little more in-depth. What normally happens is the church, we, when we first become a widow, they treat us like, okay, the husband or the wife, the spouse passed, and they're very loving towards us. And then after that, they leave us. Um, they, they don't, widows, I, won't, I don't know about widowers, but widows need that extra touch, mm-hmm. that extra leading. She's trying to make decisions now that she's never had to make by herself. Um, But for the most part, she's doing it by herself. There are very few churches now that have grief groups where uh, they can walk through their grief. There are very few churches that have counseling sessions. And if they do have a counselor, it is not someone who's ever been a widow Mm -hmm. or a widower. And so they have no clue about the feelings and the emotions that you're going through, the ups and the downs, and just start, even to make a simple decision as to whether to buy bread and what type of bread to buy mm-hmm. can take a woman over. And the church, I mean, for the most part, if you tell somebody in the church, they give you the answer, just pray. Well, she has been praying. Mm-hmm. She has been praying, but prayer is not what is necessary. She needs wisdom, but she needs a can someone to care. When I when I uh, I remember my car broke down right after I got sick, right after Eddie died, and when it broke down, I had no clue what to do mm. because my husband handled that. I didn't handle that. I didn't. I didn't know nothing about going to get the car fixed. I had. I knew the mechanic we went to, but. They could tell me anything, and they did. I and they did, and I I got taken advantage of. But there was no men in the church that I could go to and ask for help. And there was not even a group of women that I could go to and say, "Hey, can you help me with this?" You said something else, and I think these these two things can tie together. You mentioned that when you were married, you had friends. Mm-hmm. And y'all were couples. Mm-hmm. But then when you became the widow, those friendships shifted and kind of went away, so to speak. So it's almost like now I'm in a place where I need support, but where do I get it from? Right. Because we don't, for whatever reason, and I don't mean no harm when I say this, 
there's a lot of insecure, and I may be making a generalized statement. Some people may be offended by it, but okay. There are insecure women in the church. There are some women who are very insecure, and their insecurities may be based on previous experiences with their spouse. So if you are going to someone or if, even if you go to her and you ask, do you think your husband will be able to help me with this? Um, you don't know what the response is going to be. You don't know if it's going to be the insecurities or if it's going to be somebody that understands that I've lost my husband because he normally takes care of this. And I'm asking you if your husband can help me. Especially if the husband does that. Mm-hmm. If the husband is a mechanic, if the husband is a plumber, um, the re- it is very hard to because women are very insecure when it comes to and for some reason the mentality is that we as widows want everybody's man. Now that's across the board, mm-hmm. and then you can say what you want to say, but it's a it's a message out there, and that is the reason why married women do not hang with single women. That is not the case for us because we're not single. Mm-hmm. We are not single. We are married women whose husbands have gone on to the other side. We are in a transition period where we're having to learn how to live as a, as a woman without a man when that's all she knew. For me, for 31 years, that's all I knew. Well, really, 32. We were actually coming up on our 33rd year together. That's all I knew. Mm-hmm. I was 19 when I met him. I'm 52 then when he passed. That's my whole adult life. And then I, there were things I had no clue what to do. And I made some serious mistakes because I, was, I had nobody to go to. My circle of friends, I would have thought it would have been easy to uh, ask my girlfriend if her husband, because I would have thought she would have been able to trust me enough to do that. But when she pulled away, it made it perfectly clear that I couldn't. And all, and I haven't met a widow yet that has, circle hasn't shifted. Mm. Have you ever thought to ask, because, um, you know, to ask someone like, I thought we were, I thought we had a solid friendship, then this happened, and it seems like the friendship is no longer there. I asked, well, my girlfriend was very was very open when she told me. She, she said that we couldn't be friends anymore because I was single. She said, she called me, she told me those exact words. We can no longer be friends because you are single. I thought the chick was joking. The chick was very serious. I called her mom. And asked her mom and told her mom what she said. I said, now tell me she was your mom. said, well, no, she's right. Y'all can't be friends anymore. Do you think that was something that was instilled in the home? Or do you think that's something that has come across in the body? I think it's come across, it was in the home, but I think it's come across in the body. I also think it's come across in the, um, in our society as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um that single women and married women can't mix um, because of the differences in what we what it is out except for I don't know what the differences are. I really don't. Mm-hmm. Um, single women that I know are not running the streets. 
They really aren't. And that same stigma isn't on men. That same stigma is not on men. Now that you think about it, um, it's not. Because when I think back, um, when my, my aunt passed away, and her and my uncle at that time had been married 42 years. And I don't think his circle of friends changed at all. Mm-mm, they don't. They now, don't change. He, he got a lot more women that came out of woodwork. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> but as far as the friendship, no, I'm, so I think it goes back to um, the, the double standard. Mm-hmm. We as women, as widows, are in our greatest need, find ourselves mostly with very few people. Now, I was blessed that I had one girlfriend, but she was divorced at the time, or getting ready to go through a divorce, that stayed with me. She uh, she had been through a marriage, divorced, and here she was getting ready to divorce her next husband. And she did not leave me in the midst of that in the midst of my grieving. Um she stayed there and she answered my dumb questions. Um she were, you know but when I needed there were certain things even she couldn't tell me because she didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um because she was a woman, and there were certain things that I, when I wanted my wash, when I needed to buy a new washing machine, I had to go to you know I just went out and got it. I bought a brand new car, paid cash for it, Kim, and I had to trust that the guy who sold me the car was not taking advantage of me. The truth of the matter is, the car was a good car. But I should not have paid cash for that car. Mm. <clears throat> and I had nobody to take a look at that car before I bought it. Mm-hmm. I had nobody to check the engine out, nobody. I just didn't know anybody. And if I had been in Raleigh where my brother-in-law was, um, I could have done that. Or in Alabama with my brother. But I was here in Charlotte. I had no family here. Now, if you got family, you won't have this issue, your family recovery. But for those of us who don't have family, I have no family. And my son was 21, 20, yeah, my son was 21. Mm. So he wasn't any help. We had the, the friends that we that I needed. Because we were in ministry, all of our friends were, one, we were coupled all, but all of our friends were in ministry. And because we had just changed churches, I found myself in a church full of people that I did not know. Mm. And it can make it hard, too. That was hard. Yeah. That was hard. You also mentioned in the first podcast, you talked about um, learning to... It took you a minute, but after that first year, you... You, at first, you thought of like him going on the trip. Mm-hmm. And after that year, when you realized he is not coming back, I think you talked about how when you cook, you will still cook things based on what he liked. And now you had to come to the realization that, okay, he's not coming back. And so now we are dealing with the realization my husband is not coming back and I've lost some friends. 
And I, I thank God for my kids. They're older, but I have my children now that now they will look at me to lead. But I'm all, it sounds like I'm leaning on them also. We, we drawing strength from each other. So that's a lot of things to deal with in, in life, like a one, two year span. Emotionally, where do you think you were? My emotions were all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I have to admit, I found out I could be a pretty good actress. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Because I could come out of my house and go to church and go do what I had to do and nobody not know that I didn't have it together. People thought I was like, they would say, oh, you're doing so well. Oh, you girl, you got this thing. And they had no clue that I was scared to death. I was I was scared to go by, by anywhere by myself. One, because I never had to. Mm-hmm. Not really, not like that. Go to work, come home. But literally to go, I didn't even go to the grocery store by myself. Ed and I did it together. And it wasn't because he was jealous or anything. We just enjoyed being together. Mm-hmm. And because we enjoyed being together, we tended to do everything together. Um, so we... What I had to learn was, okay, Vanessa, you can do this through Christ. Mm-hmm. And literally, God had to walk me through. I I am now 11 years in, and I am just now getting to the point where I can cook for Vanessa. Well, it had always helped that I got a house full of children. You do have your children. You got your grandbabies. And so, so when I overcook. <laughs> Somebody gonna eat. Somebody gonna eat. <laughs> but for some people who don't have that, it's like, um, I'm uh, not that it's the same. Mm-hmm. But in my singleness, I had to cook in smaller pots. And we don't think about that. But, but that means going out to buy pots. <laughs> well, thankfully, when I moved, you know, I pieced some stuff together, <laughs> and I had what I needed. And but I, you know, cooked smaller pots because it was just me. And if there was leftovers, it was my lunch for the next day. So tell me about the pot selection. Well, now I mean, granted, your kids are there. Yeah, my kids were uh, in and out of the house. But what I did was, and I learned this from another person, was I w- I tended to eat out a lot. So I would go order a meal, and half of that would be my lunch for the next day. Or my dinner for the next day. Mm-hmm. So I learned how to make a meal scratch. Okay. And I didn't cook as often. When I did cook, because I switched to being... Ed and I were partial vegetarians. In the sense that because he was going through with his liver, there were certain meats he couldn't eat. So I tended to cook a whole lot of vegetables. Well, if I overcook vegetables, I could throw them in a pot make a pot of soup. Mm-hmm. Freeze half of it. And, and freeze it in individual containers so that whenever I wanted a bowl of soup, I could just pull it out. Mm-hmm. And so you learn to adjust everything for the fact that you're by yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you invite friends over for dinner to help you. One, that's two things. You invite people over because they gives you company in the house. And two, um, help somebody eat that food. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about that company part, though. How do you... How do you now that you realize your circle has changed, how do you now select new friends? As a 
some people it's easy because they're very friendly. They make people, they make friends, and they just go on. I am one of these people that can talk to anybody, mm-hmm. but I'm not one of these people that will invite everyone into my world. Mm-hmm. I will talk with you, pray with you, laugh with you, giggle with you, but I'm not going to invite you to my home, and I'm not going to just invite myself to yours too easily. So, eventually, what happens is the Lord always puts somebody. I always, after I had to ask the Lord, God send somebody in my life mm-hmm. to be there, help me through this, and He's been very good. My friend Betty, we met at Montreat. And we have, and it was a, it was a divine connection. And Betty and I have walked. She walked with me through the the whole Eddie dying and everything. And so the years that's followed, she's constantly been there. And because she's been there, she's opened her circle up to introduce me to other women mm-hmm. that are older women our age that are also single or widowed. Mm-hmm. And so now I have this circle of people that I can sit around and laugh and talk to. And I am intentional about connecting there. I don't hold back. One of the things I discovered was that a lot of widows, whether they mean to or not, they close themselves off. And I refuse to do that. Could that be the fear of rejection? It is a fear of rejection. And it's just a case of sometimes we're so deep in grief that we don't know how to connect. I cannot allow grief to control my life. Mm-hmm. I can't. I cannot do what God's called me to do if I'm so bound up in grief and anger and bitterness because he left that I can't live. And I can't live at his grave. And that is the mistake that a lot of us make as widows. We live at his grave. We live bound to it. In this world between what was and what can be, it becomes our, our our resting place. In this place here, in that place, the only thing you're going to see is anger and bitterness. People don't want to be around you because, one, all you talk about is what was mm-hmm. and how he left you. Well, true enough, he did leave you. But the truth of the matter is he finished his course. Mm-hmm. He completed his assignment. Whether we like the way it was completed or not doesn't change the fact that he completed it. Mm-hmm. You haven't completed yours. Mm-hmm. So you have to continue moving. You have to get up from there. The woulda, shoulda, couldas can keep you bound. Tell me what is it that has, over time, helped you to, um, to not close off people? I met, um, and I talk about this special friend in the book. I met this friend this uh, at work at, on one of the jobs I was on. And uh, it was a delivery guy just come in. And I tend to, when I'm a delivery guy come out, I'm, a, I'm usually the person that pick up the packages, laugh and talk with them. Because mainly I'm, I've always worked as an office manager. But this particular job, I did not realize that um, him and him and I had just been speaking, and he invited me to lunch one day, and it was because we ate lunch in the same restaurant at different times. So he would come in as I was leaving out, and um, and he asked me one day to go to lunch, and I went to lunch with him. And I told him, I said, okay, so we met there, 
Uh, and um, that me that start that actually started the whole thing for me. It made it easy for me because for the next year or more, Monday through Friday, at, I had someone to sit across the table from me at lunch. Mm-hmm. Somebody that I could laugh and talk with. And because we were in this open atmosphere, different people would come around because they knew him. Okay. And so it made it easier for me to do that. He became my transition out of that place. Okay. He became he he led me out of that place and it made it, he because I was able to I learned how to talk with him. God gave me that one person. Mm-hmm. It became easier for me to talk with other people and really let people into my life. Do you ever find yourself overthinking interactions um when you are I'm probably gonna go back. If you're find yourself, let's say, in a church setting and mm-hmm. you are talking to a gentleman who happens to be married, do you find yourself overthinking? I don't want nobody to think that I'm trying to think this man, I just wanna ask him a question. There was a time I didn't. Okay. There was a time I did. I was just because I'm always so open and so I, my motives. I don't think I wouldn't think so. if somebody walked up and asked Eddie a question, I wouldn't even thought about it. Mm-hmm. That didn't uh, it didn't never occur to me. And you're talking about a woman who went through and the marriage that had infidelity in it. So I didn't live, but I didn't live underneath that cloud. Mm-hmm. My husband had female friends, and women were always. He was always laughing and talking with women, and so, as I had a male had male friends, not as many, of course, and I was more careful. But he, I didn't, I didn't think like that. So me going up and talking to a guy, or you know, just like, or joking back and forth with somebody, it doesn't care. I tell you, when I start thinking about it. When the when I noticed when we start talking and the wife moves there and she moves closer, then I get oh because otherwise I'm not conscious of that because I don't think that way mm-hmm. and so I'm learning I've had to learn to be careful not for my sake mm-hmm. but for the image of others. Wow. The Bible says, shun the very appearance of evil. And I don't want my good to be spoken evil of. So I don't want any my kindness to someone and my friendliness to cause another woman to stumble. Mm-hmm. So I'm very careful. When you said I thing. didn't used to. I didn't. I didn't think about it. So it didn't. Being used to when you were married or afterwards? Even afterwards. Mm-hmm. Even afterwards, you know, I, I, I didn't. And you got to be careful who you let in your ear. Mm-hmm. As a, as a, even as a single woman, you got to be careful what you hear. Other people's experiences do not have to be your experience. And so I had someone tell me, I was uh, there was a, a brother one time. He was uh, because we was at new, um, new at our morning prayer together on Saturday mornings. Whenever I got ready to leave, he would always ask me, "Was I okay?" And he was just very nice. He was just checking. And I, and I knew that I looked. I knew I had this dark cloud over me. I knew that. But until I got out of that period, I couldn't. there was nothing I could do about that heaviness there. Mm-hmm. And he was just asking. He would pray with me, always with another sister there. And so I mentioned it uh, to an, another sister. We were talking, and I mentioned it. 
And I, this sister told me, she said, well, you better watch it because his wife is jealous. And that threw me. From that point, and his wife and I had talked when, on, when we saw each other. And not once did I, she ever gave me that impression. But after that, in my head, I started questioning, is that the reason why she's always there when, when if I saw him on Sundays or sometime during the week? And I began to question that when actually that wasn't it at all. She was just being, she was just as caring as he was mm -hmm. because he told her what I was going through. Mm -hmm. So her thing was, let me help her. But I couldn't receive her help because of what another sister had said. So I'm telling, I would tell any widow, be careful who you let, you know, take everything with a grain of salt. Mm -hmm. And we, as wives, you know, you're going to have to be careful, too, how you communicate one to another. The book is called From Wife to Widow, and the reason being because as a wife, we prepare to be a widow. I don't want another wife to find herself in this road that I'm in and not have prepared, had a chance to prepare herself. Some way, some form, some fashion. Emotionally, you can't. Mm -hmm. That's just the bottom line. But you can prepare yourself financially. You can learn some things. Um, learn how to <laughs> get the car or change it in the car. Go take it and get it done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Learn to ask the right questions. Get yeah. it and talk to him. Um, act, make sure that your, your you have a mixed friend circle. Don't you know? Don't let it all be just single. Oh, married women. Mix it up. So that if something happens, you're not by yourself. Mm. Um, it's, and it's okay to mix it up. Mm -hmm. um, it is okay for single women and married women to hang together. It really is. Especially if that single woman's a divorced woman. <laughs> In the sense that you, because she need, you need each other. When you mentioned the friendship you had with Betty. Mm -hmm. And how she had been, you know, she was divorced and going through another divorce. And, you know, you with the loss of your husband. It seems, though, I've, I've been told that a divorce is kind of like a part of you dying. Or, you know, like pulling um, skin off your flesh. Because there's two things that came as one that are now pulling apart. And I thought it was just interesting that those two, you two found each other when you needed each other the most. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. It does. And it gives insight into something. I, I always say, someone told me marriage, divorce is all the same. It is mm -hmm. not the same. Divorce, I mean, uh, widow or divorce mm -hmm. is the same. It is not the same. Divorce, I always, I tell her, I say, as long as he has got breath in his body and you got breath in yours, there's room for reconciliation. Wow. There is room for reconciliation. You can reconcile. Y'all will still make memories together. If you got children, when them children graduate from high school, get married, have babies, all that stuff, you all would do that together. You will walk through that together. Even though you're separate, you will still walk through that together. When a spouse dies, that ends. You don't have that. I think the reason why divorced women, it makes it, because she had learned how to live her life by herself, she could give me the wisdom that I didn't have. Mm. 
when you started to hear the wisdom, was it like, man, I never thought about this. I didn't, you know. I had not. I, I, I really didn't. She helped me. Um, I, I was compl- her and I was talking that. I can't even remember what I was complaining about. And she said, well, just do it like this here. And I was like, my mind didn't think like that. I was still thinking like a wife. Mm. I was still thinking like a wife and a mother. <laughs> when did that stop? How long did it take for you to stop thinking like a wife? Tell you the truth, there are times I still do. Okay. Uh, which is probably the reason why I'm still single. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, um, I, as I mentioned, you and I were talking and I told you how, I, because I still see myself for the most part as Mrs. Eddie C. Gilchrist Jr., a lot of my decisions I make, I make as Mrs. Eddie C. Gilchrist Jr. What I'm having to learn to do is make decisions as Vanessa Moore Gilchrist. Mm. I am having to learn to become Vanessa, not Mrs. Eddie, but Vanessa. Mm. Um, it's taken me a little longer than some women to get here, and some women may not ever get here. But I'm having to, I'm having to really make that decision. Okay, Vanessa. I told um, my pastor recently, we were talking about me being a member at the church. I told him, I said, I've stayed at this church because this is where my husband has planted me. My husband and I um, found ourselves looking for a new church. He wanted to get his family set up before he passed. He brought me here. He dropped me off. And he carried his little happy hips on going with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I stayed because... Out of respect to his what he believe, what I believe the Lord told him, mm-hmm. I have not left because of that. At some point in time, I've had to make a decision. I can't do that anymore. Spiritually, I have I got here quicker in the spiritual realm than I did in any other area of my life. But spiritually, I've had to make that decision. Okay, I'm staying now, not because of Eddie, because the Lord is requiring. Mm-hmm. but because of the anointing on your life, and this is what God wants me to be. Mm-hmm. And if God says for me to transition someplace else because this is what Vanessa needs, then Vanessa would do that. But I can no longer use Eddie as a crutch for me staying in certain things. Mm-hmm. Okay. Make sense? Mm-hmm. Is that... How does that feel to hear yourself say that I'm I'm walking away from the crutch? A part of me feel like I uh, like I'm can't like something is I don't know where it's like a part of me is being pulled apart mm-hmm. um, because it's easier to stay here. It hurts. It really hurts. But I can't stay here. Because if I do, a part of me would die. And there's nothing worse than being a dead person in a living body. Mm. And for a while there, that was me. 
And I don't want to live however many years the Lord has me left here on this earth like that. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to live in this dark place. Um, that place where I cannot see a future. There's a light at the end of everybody's tunnel. Mm-hmm. They're on the other side of the valley of the shadow of death. Believe me, there's a prepared table. I want to sit at the prepared table. I want to do what God called me to do. Mm-hmm. That means I have to get up. I want to enjoy my journey. The last thing my husband told me was, Van, be happy. That's all he required of me. He gave all of us a list of things he wanted us to do. What he required of me was, Van, be happy. Now, I have to be honest with myself. Um, I'm not happy in that dark place. Okay. So, if it means being Vanessa, then so be it. Plus, it's, I'm doing a disservice to God. Because hmm. it, it, to say that is almost can sound like um, I'm not listening for what you're telling me to do. I'm doing what I would think my husband would want me to do. Right. And those two things can't go together. No. So as we get ready to close, is there any other any other pieces of nugget of wisdom that you want to share? I there's two things I want to share. For every widow, I want the one thing I would tell her is that it's okay to enjoy your life. Mm-hmm. Your husband has completed his course. You've got to complete yours. And it's okay to step out day by day, moment by moment, to complete it. It's to discover what makes you happy. Discover what what brings peace and content. When I say happy, I'm talking about brings peace and contentment to your life. Mm-hmm. It's okay to make new friends. It's okay to just fit, just do something for yourself. Okay. And it's okay. For every wife, I would tell them, okay, the chances are that you will walk this course before your husband will. We walk this course more than they pass. They, they, they complete their courses long before we complete ours. More, more times than not. I know we don't want to think about that, but the truth of the matter is plan. Plan for the day that you may be by yourself. And when I say plan, don't 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 be confessing death on your husband. <laughs> but I mean learn some things. Mm-hmm. Learn. I have a girlfriend that had no clue how to balance her checkbook because her husband did it. There are women who didn't know how to pay, don't know how to pay bills because they do it. It's okay, let him do it, but you learn how to do it. Yeah. Learn what bills need to be paid. Learn where the insurance policies are. Y'all talk about what he wants if he was to pass. I know mine and told me not to take him back to Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah. I mean those type decisions. Yeah. We don't always now I was blessed that Eddie because we had a couple of weeks before he passed. Him and I was able to talk about how to set up his funeral and all of that and what to dress him in and all. So we had a few. But those decisions really could have, should have been made years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, those type things you need to know. Some women don't get that decision. You know, you he went to, uh, he'd go to work and you get a call. He done passed out or he uh, he died in a car wreck. You didn't get to discuss that. 
So discuss it now. It's okay. It takes the pressure off of you when these things come up. That's one less headache you have to worry about. Do you think, okay, I'm going to ask one more question. Do you think there is a stigma in our community about having these conversations? I think there's a stigma among us as church people. Mm. And not just blacks. uh, Because for some reason we fear death. Death is nothing for us to fear. Mm. It really isn't. We forget that we're passing through this life. Death is just a door that opens up. There is a pathway that leads us into eternal life with our Father. That is where we're supposed to be going. So why not plan to go there? Hmm. Well. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, we we death isn't going to come on you all of a sudden just because you talk about those are. If you love one another, those are the type of decisions that you and your spouse need to make to make it easy on you. Mm-hmm. Make it easy on him. Discuss what you want to do with the house. Discuss, you know, you may do it, you may not. Do a will. Make sure you got a will. And make sure that when he does his will that your name's in the will. <laughs> Make sure you win them. <laughs> I'm serious because me and they, he would go make that will and he go to the attorney, they make that will, and you don't know. He said, Yeah, I got it, baby. Oh, baby, I got it taken care of. I got it taken care of. And then when the will read, couldn't find out you ain't in it. Or he done gave it. No, you, you get in the decision, make the decisions together mm-hmm. so that you both won't, when it comes to the end, you both won't make, you know, you both won't have that, that, any surprises. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, permission granted, listeners. We want to thank Vanessa for talking with us for part two. Um, learning to balance. But I don't know if this one's going to be learning to balance or just a journey from wife to widow. Thank you for Vanessa for um, sitting in with me. And I hope that this uh, podcast encourages you guys. And also, start having those conversations with your loved ones. And whether that could be with your parents or even you having it with your children. But definitely have it with your spouse. All right. You guys be blessed and see you guys. We'll talk to you guys next week.